familiar face, right? Um, and so, James, why don't you tell us, how long have you been coming on a mission with the Wollongong team here to Wild Street, mate? That's a good question. I'm actually not sure. <laughs> uh, do you know how old my children were when you uh, first came? So, just Joss will probably been uh, nine. That's probably about right. Yeah, yeah. nine. Uh, Nate's probably six, and Jed three. Well, you know, close, anyway, but yeah, maybe nine, seven, and, and four, or five, or something like that. Anyway, I don't even know. But uh, James has been coming for a long time. He used to be able to beat them at cricket, and now they flog him. But anyway, that is, that is okay. It's been a wonderful thing to have James uh, leading the team for so many years, consistently uh, bringing people and training them and equipping them to be lovers of Lord Jesus and, and uh, working in the field of harvest. Uh, mate, can you tell us, have you had a, a particular highlight over this this uh, year of mission? This year has been full of ambiguity and chaos. Um, our team is, uh, didn't really know each other. It's fairly quiet and maybe not as dynamic. But actually, the real highlight is, and at the beginning of the mission, I said to them, um, we looked at Philippians 1 and 2, and I said, it doesn't matter who, who we are, um, the key is striving side by side in partnership for the sake of the gospel and for the faith of the gospel. And what's key is having the same mind of Christ. And it doesn't matter who we are necessarily in our personalities or in our dynamism. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we've been faithful to Christ. And the team that has remained, even though there's a third of the team fell with sickness over the last two weeks, um, the team that's remained has been faithful and serving, and it's been a joy to see. Has indeed. Uh, it really has been. And so um, keep your Bibles open. James is going to be teaching us this morning from uh, that passage that we just read in 1 Thessalonians. As I adjust this, um, you may find it weird why we're doing a passage just out of the blue like 1 Thessalonians. Well, it happened to be the passage that Max would have been preaching on and indeed put, would have been studying at NTE. So I said, well, just do a passage that you'll be studying at NTE and apply it to Wall Street. Of course, he's not here. Um, so the outline that you have in front of you is actually slightly different to what you will see on the screen. But don't worry, I helped prepare the sermon with him, so you'll see some familiarities. Well, we've prayed. From time to time, I find myself thinking, what would Paul, or what would Jesus, say about my church? What would he say about our fellowship on campus, our uni Bible group? If you're familiar with the Bible and Paul's writings, you'll know that he does keep an eye out on how they're going. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you'll know that Jesus keeps an eye out on those early churches scattered throughout Asia Minor too. And I often wonder, as I go about my business every day, what would Paul say about how we're going down in the gong? I wonder what he might say about Wild Street 1030 congregation. Now, if you were to ask me, of course, I, over the last 14 years, I can only speak very highly of what I experience here every year. We are only really ever extraordinarily encouraged to see you all in action and your heart for the gospel. Now, I haven't said this to butter you up to make you feel a bit more comfortable. Um, it's a joy um, that we see it and be part of it, 
and I'm just full of positive vibes, okay? Just positivity running through the team. Now, if you're familiar with the book of 1 Thessalonians, you will have heard very positive vibes in the book about these Thessalonians. Look at uh, verses coming up on the screen. Um, In chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, Our gospel came to you, Thessalonians, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. That's why he's so thankful for their faith and love and hope in the gospel. They heard the gospel, the momentous, earth-shaking news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that forgiveness for sins, for our rebellion against God, is offered when we turn to him for salvation. That's the the news the Thessalonians believed. Verse 9 and 10. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. See, these, these Thessalonians are in a right standing, a right relationship with God. No longer under the righteous anger of God. No longer under the punishment of God. No longer his enemies. Right relationship. And that's important for what he is about to say next. Now, I can't presume that all of you here know this Lord Jesus as Lord. Maybe you don't know of his salvation either. But if that's you, know that there is an end coming a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. How can we be saved from that punishment for our rebellion against him? How can we be saved from his right anger against him? Well, turn from your old ways to trust in the Lord Jesus. He is the Lord of all the nations. And there's many nations I've seen over the last 14 years, Wild Street become increasingly internationalized. That's great. But he is the Lord of all nations. And he is the Lord of heaven and earth who is in returning. He has the power to save us from sin and death. That's what the Thessalonians did. And they are living well. They're now living God-pleasing lives. If you take a good look at chapter 4, verse 1, you can see that. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. See, they're going well. But what is Paul saying? Do it more and more. That's what he's urging them towards. The original language says, we've instructed you how it is necessary for you to live and please God. Necessary. These verses are not just, oh, only if I have time to please God this week, or only if I feel like pleasing God. I'm not feeling like it. No. Paul is urging us, if we are Christians, that it is necessary to walk and to please God more and more. At uni, we often see dating relationships begin. Oh, the wonder. Oh, the joy. It starts so well. Uh, You know how the beginning, you want to please each other and buy each other gifts. And, you know, it's all la-di-da. Pretty sad in marriage, isn't it, when that passion fades? That's like Paul is saying to the Thessalonians in your relationship with God. Don't let it fade. Do it more and more. Whoever you are, do it more and more. How? Well, 
as the first out point on the outline, I think it's coming up on the screen, pleasing God more and more uh, by instructions through our Lord Jesus. And that's there in verse 1 again. Look, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more and verse, uh, more and more. Verse 2, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. You see, we actually please God when we listen and obey what God teaches, what Paul teaches. It's the same, in that word for instructions there, is the same word as a military commander giving his uh, uh, commands to his troops. There's a weighty command there. Uh, uh, the apostles, the Paul was an apostle, and he's one of those who, who were with, well, he wasn't with Jesus, but the apostles were with Jesus, who heard him teach and were sent to tell others about him. And pleasing God comes through what they heard from Jesus. It's hard to please someone unless you know them, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a Christmas present for someone uh, you don't know, or even someone you do know. Um, how many presents will be returned to the stores after Christmas or reboxed to give away to your friends because gift givers don't really understand who they were buying for? Praise the Lord. It's not a guessing game as to how to please God. We know how. Paul's letters, the Bible, have all we need to please him. Feeling good doesn't mean that you're pleasing God. Just because you're a clever thinker, it doesn't mean you're pleasing God. We please him when we know his words, when we do it. And there's a warning in verse 8. Did you notice as it was read? Look, therefore, whoever disregards this... Disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit. See, as Christians, we don't just need to grow in our understanding of God. We do, do need to do that. We don't just grow in knowledge of God's word. We actually need to grow in pleasing him in what we do already know. I find it very easy to say, I know what that part of the Bible means, right? Just as having you teach it over and over again as a preacher, you teach it over and over again. But I'm very poor at thinking how I can please God more and more through what I know. And the Lord has been showing me, particularly this year, that it's very easy to become lazy in our understanding and our application of Scripture. That's me. And I would imagine I might not be the only one. But that's not what Paul says. Please God more and more through what you already know. Chew over it. Meditate on it. Work out what God's word means more and more. That will become even more important as the context of our world changes around us. And we'll need to keep coming back to scriptures with fresh sets of eyes to understand what it means in a crazy changing world. I don't know if you've experienced that. Well, that's how we can please God more and more when we know what Paul says and um, seek to please him more and more through it. Well, what are the instructions he gives? That's the second point today. Please God more and more in holiness. Verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified. You might know what that word means. You might not. It actually means to be made holy. I think it's coming up on the next slide. To be made holy. That is to be set apart. To be different. Uh, the word sanctified happens again in the original language, down in verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. God's will 
God's call on all of you, if you know the Lord Jesus, is to be holy. Holy means set apart. When we become Christians, we are set apart for him, to serve him and to live for him, to live God-pleasing lives. And day by day, we become more and more of what God would have us to be. That's what God calling for our lives is. Holiness. That's, that's what God's calling and will for your life is. Now, some of us, or some I've heard in the past go, yeah, 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 that's holiness over there. And, but I'm interested to know what God's calling and will is for my life over here. In my job or in my relationships or whatever it is. But that sort of misses the point that Paul is saying. He wants them to be holy in every area of life, in the decisions and actions we choose. Holiness in the kitchen. How does that work out? Holiness in the bedroom. How does that work out? Holiness in the study, at university, at the workplace. Do you see? God's call, God's will, is for all of life. Holiness. And the arena of holiness he wants them to be acutely aware of is verse 3. Look, verse 3. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Avoid it. Now, first century Greek world, uh, sexual sex was everywhere. Sexual sin was not really condemned, apparently. This is what I read in the scholars. The gods of the day were sexually dubious. In fact, they were cults set apart uh, with adherents who followed them, uh, and that adherence gave rise to orgies or sexual orgies such that they followed those religious cults. People went to the temple to have sex with temple prostitutes. Men and husbands would seek satisfaction for their sexual desire outside marriage. Sounds familiar. But he's saying, avoid it. Have nothing to do with it. Don't go near it. In fact, control yourselves, verse 4, that each one, one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. See, there's philosophical attitudes towards the body, which was, oh, they don't really matter. But in, in the Christians in, in that world needed to honor the body, both their own and others. That means, verse 5, look, not in passionate lust. Passionate lust is like the desire that masters you. The picture there is one of those who, who are given over or give themselves over to their sexual desire. And Paul says, you're not like that. Sexual immorality of any sort steals from the other party. Look at verse 6. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. See, whether you're married or not, sexual immorality robs someone of something. Sexual immorality had this whole host of sins. It could be adultery. It could be pornography. Now, continue to live that way, and you're in great, great danger. Verse 6 again, the Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. We don't live in a world too far away from that, do we? People do sexually what they want, when they want, and whoever with whoever they want. I say to the students at uni, I'm so glad I didn't grow up in a world where I could access pornography. 
anywhere I wanted to. I'm so glad of that. It would have been a disaster for me. And yet, here I am at 50. I know I don't look 50, but it's fine. At 50, I find myself strangely tempted again. I don't need a computer screen. I've got this. I can see it here. Uh, you may find this odd as well. I'll share, share something about me again. Uh, I kind of like romantic comedies. That's weird, you say. And I, and I sort of find myself sort of excusing serious sin in those shows because it is a comedy. How do we walk and please God more in a more in a moment that I am alone on my phone? What does it mean for me now in that moment when I'm attracted to a work colleague or one that flirts with me? How do I avoid turning to satisfy myself sexually, perhaps when my marriage is not going well? Paul says, avoid it. Control your body. Don't bring the phone into the bedroom. Don't flirt back. Make sure there's accountability with a friend. Again, third thing I'm sharing about myself. I don't often do this. What's going on? Maybe it's particular to me. When I was attracted to someone in my workplace at one point, I had to tell my Christian boss to keep me accountable. Now, all those things are helpful things. He's saying, do everything you can to avoid it. But I find it happens here and here on the inside. I find it easy to hide that impurity. And it's only really an act of God that changes the here and here. Look at verse 8. God has given his spirit. Pray that God changes your desires and your affections in line with his Heart and hands need to change. Don't disregard who God has given us. So there you have it. I mean, please God through the instructions from Paul. And one of those instructions is concerning uh, sexual holiness. Uh, His will for us is this holiness. Is that your direction? Is that your aim? Is is that your goal? Is your desires in line with what God is doing? But there's a very third important way it is necessary for us to please God more and more. And we can see that with our third point today, please God more and more and and in more and more brotherly love. More and more, more and more, more and more brotherly love. Verse 9, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. How many times more and more is coming up? During Mango Mission just two days ago, when we were out uh, in the immediate neighborhood here, um, some conversations and contacts were made that you heard from Matt. But even though one of the things that stuck out to the team, even though they don't go to church or they don't come to Wild Street, what stuck out to some of our team was the reputation of the church. Is that? Um, It is highly regarded. Praise the Lord. Uh, They can see the genuine affection. Um, I can see it as you came in today. You genuinely greet each other with that kiss of love. You you genuinely care for the struggling and sick. I've seen that over the years. I'm astonished. And we feel it as a mission team every year that we come. Your generosity in hosting us as billets. It's something so, so special. It's the same love that characterized the Thessalonians, that love that was known throughout all the world. But it is a supernatural love. Did you notice verse 9? 
This love is taught by God. This is not a natural love. This is by his spirit. And yet, if Paul was here amongst us, he'd be saying, do it more and more, Wild Street. Do it more and more. Grow in that supernatural Christ-centered love more and more. Look at how they could show off this God-taught love. Verse 11. To, to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Well, that looks quite mundane, doesn't it? But this is the way of love. Live quietly. That is, don't be quarreling with each other or causing trouble for each other. Don't be in fights. To mind your own affairs. That is, not to interfere in other person's affairs. Don't be a busybody. Now, in, uh, I, I worked in Singapore for quite a number of years, and uh, they have a word there when you are a busybody or is caring about each other's affairs called kepo. Okay? Kepo, right? If you're Malaysian in Singapore, that's great. Now, I asked Kevin earlier, uh, where's Kevin? God, yes, what is it in Mandarin? That one. That's good. Um, that's good. So don't be like that. Uh, but work with your own hands. Verse 11. That is, don't be lazy. See, when you live those lives, look at verse 12. It says, so that you may walk properly before the outsiders and be dependent on no one. Some Christians amongst the Thessalonians have become quite lazy. They're not working to earn their own money to live. They're depending on others to survive. They are capable, and that one, and not busy at work. And what is happening is outsiders, unbelievers, are looking in and saying, these Christians are lazy. They're sponges. They're sucking others dry. Paul is saying, don't be capable. Get working. These actions are not loving your brother. All your actions at the moment are about loving yourself and not others. But if we want to please God more and more, we look to love each other more and more. For the Thessalonians, it was making sure they did some useful work to not be a burden. What will more and more other person-centered love mean for us at Wild Street? Now, in one sense, I can't tell you that answer because I'm not with you all the time, so I don't know. Perhaps you can have a chat about it at morning tea or over lunch. I would love to hear how. But the world is watching. As you can see from out there, the world is watching. Other person-centered love for the good of the others is the principle. More and more of that is the encouragement. We live in a, a very self-absorbed world. That care for the self, self-centeredness, me, me, me at the center. My pleasure, my comforts. But Paul is saying, don't slip back from that. Don't go back to the world's gospel. Don't lose the zeal. Why? Because that's the way God loved us. That sort of love drove Jesus to the cross. To die for us even when we were his enemies. That was the self-giving love for our goods. For relationship with him. I want to say you can't please God unless you do have that relationship with him that the Thessalonians had. You, you need to turn and trust first. But if you do know that love, if you are living to please God now, learn to live to please God more and more. Don't become stale. Like a relationship, I'm as guilty as you are. Don't become stale. Remember the day of Jesus' return. He's coming back. But wants them to be ready. Push on. Keep going. Whether it's in applying what we know of the scriptures, 
whether it's learning to be who God has called us to be in holiness or whether it's in brotherly love. Do it more and more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your gospel, uh, the gospel that brings this hope of the day of Jesus' return, a day of salvation and a day of judgment. Keep that in our hearts and minds of who Jesus is, seeking to please him, especially when we get tired or we're worn out, we're just slipping away. Refresh us by your spirit, we pray, and through your words, that we may please you more and more and live to please you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.